umgoblue.com by fans for fans since 1999 hello welcome to this edition of umgoblue.com podcast by the numbers week three looking ahead to michigan versus indiana well clint how do you see this one shaping up according to the sb plus I, I was a little bit surprised to see that the system had uh, maintained uh, Michigan ahead of, of Indiana, given the way that uh, you know, Michigan played last week and Indiana being 2-0 and to start the season. So um, right now the, the SP Plus system still has Michigan favored by about two points. I think the Vegas line is three and a half points. So that was a, a little bit surprising for me. Um, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm really kind of at a loss what to think. We've seen kind of a Jekyll and Hyde start to the season this year for Michigan, um, in all facets. There's been a lot of good from week one and a lot of bad from week two. So it's really tough to tell, uh, you know, who, who's going to come out. So, um, predictions are, are kind of a fool's game right now, but, uh, gotta, gotta keep trucking along. I, uh, I don't know how much credibility I keep after my, my prediction with the, the Spartans last week. So we'll uh, we'll see. I, I think it's going to be a close game right now. I, I picked Michigan to win by a point. I think it'll be a, a relatively low scoring affair uh, in terms of bounce back games. Uh, I think it'll feel and, and look sort of like that game against Iowa last year. Um, not a lot of up and down the field, uh, you know, not a lot of big plays kind of dominated by defense and field position. And uh, hopefully Michigan can make enough uh, key plays to, to pull it out. I, I picked Michigan to win 28 to 27. Um, but it's, it's, it's awfully tell It's awfully tough to, to guess at, at, you know, which version of this team is going to come out and play. Definitely looking ahead to a nail biter. Apparently this is the week of, of close races, eh? considering everything going on nationally. Clint, what did the SP Plus predict in the preseason before we actually had live stats on this uh, rebooted season? Yeah, originally um, Bill Connolly's system had Michigan favored by four, just over four points. I think it's 4.1 points, and now it's 2.1, so that's cut in half. Um, There's still a little bit of the preseason metrics um, returning production, recruiting rankings, those types of things that are playing into the numbers. It's not purely based on the first two games, uh, but as as there's more game data, the system gradually lets go of that preseason data, and eventually it's all based on game data. So right now we're in kind of a hybrid where there's a lot of the preseason information that's still part of the formula. Um, and then the two weeks of performance data, um, kind of opposite of what I said with Michigan being opposite ends of the spectrum and kind of Jekyll and Hyde, Indiana has been relatively consistent. They started in the thirties, ranked in the thirties in SP plus on both offense and defense. Um, and their offense has actually dropped one spot from 32nd to 33rd and their defense has, uh, in improved up to uh, 27th, I believe. So um, remarkably consistent for Indiana through these first two weeks, um, which is, you know, 
it, it, it's remarkable because you would think they played out of their minds to, to upset Penn State. That's not necessarily true. They didn't play all that well. Um, and then you would think that they had a, a field day against Rutgers, and uh, that's not necessarily true. You know, they, they were aided by three turnovers by Rutgers, and uh, their first two touchdowns were on uh, short fields. I think a 28-yard touchdown drive and then a six-yard touchdown drive, and that's how they got going against Rutgers. So they've, um, they've been okay right in that same, uh, you know, top 30 kind of offense and defensive performance. They haven't done anything exceptionally well. They haven't done anything exceptionally bad. So um, we'll see what uh, Michigan is able to do uh, on both sides of the ball. And uh, ideally, I think I think that where I expect Michigan to really refocus their attention is on success in the, in the running game against Indiana's run defense. Well, when you talk about unexpected things, right, who would have guessed that two games into this season reboot, Indiana would be sitting on top of the Big Ten East alongside Ohio State and Penn State would be 0-2? I mean, I, I don't think anybody predicted that. So, you know, Clint, in light of that, which te- for which team is this a bigger game? I mean, you have Indiana trying to establish itself as a as perhaps a rising power, and you have Michigan, which is the, the wounded animal, right? That loss to Michigan State, um, I think it's safe to say, staggered the team, has riled up the fan base, has riled up all kinds of bad attention from across the nation sports-wise. There are uh, you know, lots of questions about Jim Harbaugh's status. You know, This is one of those times where we can understand him not uh, signing a contract extension in the offseason with everything going on with COVID, but it definitely adds uh, adds uh, um, adds drama or adds intrigue to what's going on. So, which do you which team do you think uh, has uh, a bigger reason to come out big here or, or more incentive? Well, it, just in terms of the football team and the coaching staffs and the game and what it means, um, I, I, I would I'd be inclined to say that it means more. For Indiana, right? They're the ones that are two and zero. They're playing at home. Um, they've lost to Michigan twenty five straight times, or, or, or thereabouts. Um, so there's, I think, on a, on a kind of a micro basis at the player and coach level, uh, it would seem to be a bigger game for them uh, to to kind of really put a put an emphatic exclamation point uh, on the start that they're off to. But because of a lot of the other things that you just mentioned, you know, number one, it's going to be an empty stadium. I mean, imagine, I would imagine it would be uh, packed um, if they were able to have fans at Memorial Stadium in Bloomington um, for for this opportunity. Um, And they're kind of missing out on that energy and some of that buzz and and hype. I think... um, the other thing is all of the national spotlight on on Jim Harbaugh specifically and Michigan's program. Um, I think it's going to generate a lot of eyeballs that are either interested to see how Michigan bounces back or, or folks that are maybe hoping for Michigan to crater to be able to you know negatively recruit against 
Harbaugh and his staff and the, and the program. So I think there's more riding on the game for Michigan um, because of all of the external factors, uh, even though I think it, it, on the interior, I, I would imagine on paper, Indiana's got plenty to be fired up about. So one of the interesting things for me is that although you know you talked about that streak of uh, losses that Indiana has had against Michigan, but they have lost some tough games. And it's interesting, you know, every year is a new team and you wonder how much institutional memory carries over from one year to the next. But Indiana has, has at times been a tough out for Michigan. And I, I know that the, uh, the fan base is definitely itching to uh, finally get over on Michigan. You know, and you make a great point. If there's ever a time that you're glad to be going on the road in this situation, it's probably in this COVID season, right? Um, you know, yes, Michigan has to go on the road to Indiana, but the, it's not going to be a hostile crowd. It's going to be a, a neutral place. And Michigan came up big last year. So it's interesting. I, I, I go back and forth. You know, I try to project ahead if, you know, if Michigan comes out on the wrong side of this game, the, the vultures will, will be circling both in the program, inside the fan base and outside the fan base nationally. Um, you know, it's hard for me to imagine Indiana 3-0. and 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 that may, might not be fair to how well they've played. Um, you know, again, they beat Rutgers, and, and again, they, they beat Penn State, right? That, that says something. They're 2-0, and and Michigan isn't. But it's really hard for me to imagine a world that Indiana is 3-0 and and at the top of the Big Ten East, no matter what the circumstances. So, you know, I think, you know, the Michigan players were really sorely disappointed and, and really kind of in a funk after the Michigan State game. You know, Josh Gaddis came out and said that the team, he wasn't happy with the preparation that he saw throughout the week. You know, now ultimately, you know, that comes back to the coaches and that comes back to Jim Harbaugh. So I think one of the things I'm going to be interested to see is how does Michigan, the team, respond, okay? How do the seven captains come up? How does Joe Milton respond? How does that defense respond? Because, you know, that lost Michigan State, that, that's going to leave a bruise, okay? And it's going to leave a bruise for at least a year. It's not something that you just shake off, Um you know, one of the things we, we talked about when we were doing the special podcast uh, when I had Greg Dooley on about the Paul Bunyan Trophy is we were talking about the comparison of, of the Michigan rivalries. You know, how do you compare Michigan State versus Ohio State? And, you know, one of the things we talked about is that the Michigan State, losing to Michigan State hurts more because you expect to beat them, right? It, it, it smarts. And definitely with the way the the game was projected to play out last week, you know, it hurts. It hurts to lose any time, but it definitely hurts when you are expecting and hoping for a big win. So, you know, I think this is the uh, the cliche gut check for the team, right? Um, I'd be sorely dis- disappointed if Michigan doesn't come out and perform really well out of the gate. I think this is a time where. Um, I know what the SP Plus is projecting. Um, I know that, you know, again, the, the vultures are, are circling. But 
I would really like to see Michigan come out and, and put, to, put together a really great performance and, and really win by a good seven or ten points here to, to kind of right the ship. Um, what, do, what do you think the chances are of something like that happening? And, and what do you think – what does your gut tell you, Clint? I know what the stats say, but you've seen a lot of football games. You know, you are around the team – you know, at times during your collegiate, uh, when you were at U of M, what do your thoughts say is going on with the team mentally right now? Well, the, the one interesting dynamic that it's, it's purely conjecture for me, but one, one thing that I'm interested to see and how well, uh, they bounce back also is that the, the game was kind of circled when, when the big 10 released this schedule, um, Indiana on the road sandwiched in between Michigan state and Wisconsin um, had kind of that instant trap game circled on it uh, from, from a media narrative standpoint, certainly before any of the games had kicked off. And, and it almost felt to me uh, in the last few days, having been able to kind of digest uh, how poorly Michigan played against uh Michigan State and that it was kind of evenly spread um, across all the facets of the game, all the units, all the all the different uh, players and coaching staff members. Um, having been able to kind of take that in, it almost seems like Michigan State was the trap game, having that 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 perhaps they were so zoomed in on staying focused on um, Indiana, who had just come off a win. Uh, against Penn State and, and was making national buzz um, and Michigan State who who looked so awful at home against Rutgers in that first week that um, and you and I talked about this a little bit before that maybe the coaching staff was kind of focused on tamping down emotion not letting anybody get too excited about the rivalry game you know all, all games uh, are kind of the same treating it with kind of a professional manner. And, and I think that that ended up coming back to, to not be a benefit for, for Michigan. I wouldn't say that it's the reason that it turned out the way that it did, but it was certainly noticeable, the lack of, of energy uh, last Saturday. So, so part of me wondered about that. So I, I looked at it from an X's and O's standpoint also, and Josh Gaddis's comments about preparation uh, were interesting because they really, it was kind of a, a copy paste offensive game plan, right? So if, if what Michigan did against Minnesota was the first punch, so to speak, um, there wasn't much counter punch in week two. Um, so it could just be a shortcoming that they weren't prepared or weren't thinking of that. Um, but I think it's more likely that Michigan may have installed a game plan that was relatively vanilla um, in the interest of kind of keeping some of their counter punches and, and, and second level moves on offense, at least in the bag for the Indiana and Wisconsin game. So it, it, it seems very strange to say that it's a, uh, could be partially wishful thinking that, you know, that we're going to see a, a more effective offensive game plan this week. But um, I would say that it's at least possible that um, part of the uh, 
the lack of creativity and diversity in that game plan last week was because uh, Michigan planned on being able to execute a a copy paste vanilla game plan that had worked against Minnesota, um, even against uh, Michigan State, who who's better than Minnesota defensively, but uh, Michigan apparently did not take them quite as seriously uh, up front and, and being able to execute pretty much the same blocking scheme, the gap blocking scheme without having uh, to really threaten the edge with the quarterback runs and still showing no ability or really even urgency to, to push the ball vertically down the field more than once or twice per half. So um, ideally that comes out this week. Uh, we did see, Last year, Shea Patterson had one of his best games of his Michigan career against Indiana. Nico Collins had a, had a record day against Indiana last year. So the vertical passing game um, was a, uh, a kind of a center point of the game plan last year against Indiana. So uh, it, that is certainly possible. But I, I definitely think that this particular version of the team is going to want to really establish the running game again um and i I think that they're going to go back to more of the pin and pull look on the edge and certainly going to have joe milton reading that backside defensive end and and attacking the backside edge also i think we'll see less of the inside zone and and counter tray inside and a little bit more that attacks the edge and gets the defense running side to side and then tries to gash um a little bit more so that's that's kind of what I think we're going to see. I still don't, even in the preseason, I thought this would be the week that Michigan started to kind of smooth things out. But uh, I, don't, I've, I revised that plan now. I, I don't think I don't think that Michigan has it all figured out yet this week. The idea, hopefully, is that they can make enough plays uh, to win the game. Again, it's going to be those high leverage situations and getting some of those guys that are playmakers and leaders to step up in big moments um, and score score just enough to win, uh, especially making big plays in the second half. Well, it's the thing I'm going to be watching for is, did Michigan State reveal a combination to attack the Michigan defense, right? You know, are we going to see Indiana mimic that attack, and, and will it be as successful? And – if it is, this is going to be a really long season. So hopefully, you, know, you and I talked about that. You know, Don Brown um, is probably, hopefully, focusing on fundamentals, and just didn't have the ability to implement, and didn't have the players in, uh, prepared in such a way that to respond to the move and counter move that what they needed to do to to offset that. So um, again. You know, a lot of young players in the secondary, and hopefully uh, they've been able to dial something up to prevent Indiana from exposing that secondary the way Michigan State did. And, and let's be honest, I mean, Michigan State played a flawless game with no turnovers, and Rocky Lombardi had a great game at quarterback, so, you know, that, that definitely played a part in it. You know, one of the concerns I have is, you know, you had a situation where um, Cam McGrone left the game, didn't come back. Um, you had a situation where Jalen Mayfield left the game and Michael Barrett, Michael Barrett uh, left the game, right? So, 
Michigan as being typically uh, opaque on, you know, their status and whether they're going to be back. So, you know, we have a lot of things to watch, you know, and I wondered, you know, when you see, when you see a team that's favored by 22 lose the game, it's not just one thing, right? You can go back to a dozen things that, that all come up uh, against you and, and for Michigan state. And when I was going down the list of all the things that went wrong, you know, having those three guys out, you know, definitely didn't, didn't help. So, you know, we're going to have a lot of things to, you know, I think we're going to, you know, when the offense and defense comes out on their first, you know, appearances on Saturday, we're going to have a real good idea of where this team is health wise and how they've been able to prepare and either get guys back healthy or prepare the next wave of guys to fill in. Yeah, I, I agree. That's a very, very, um, very important point that we're going to learn a lot more about Michigan's depth at some of those key spots this week. Um, I, I think it's highly unlikely that all three of those guys are completely healthy. Um, you know, that, that at least one or two or maybe all three of them are going to miss some snaps, if not, you know, miss the whole game, uh, you know, with, with, with the injuries that they took last Saturday. So the one, the one that really concerns me, um, they're all concerning for different reasons, but the one that's especially concerning to me is Michael Barrett, because he was also, not only was he your starting Viper, but I think he was, was the main backup at the Mike and Will position. So if Cam McGrone had gone down and only Cam McGrone, then Barrett probably slides inside and Solomon probably plays Viper. <clears throat> so now that both those guys could be down Solomon will be on the field, which would have been the plan anyway. Um, but the question is, who who moves inside? Does Solomon move inside and you play your third Viper? Or uh, maybe Ben Van Sumeren comes from the uh, the Sam position and, and moves inside from a groan. Uh, Ross played uh, Mike last year before he got hurt against Wisconsin. He could slide to Mike. But now you've got so many guys out of their first position and, and making different reads and calls. And, you know, there's, there's so many people that are now in different spots that it, it, it makes the likelihood of making a mistake higher. So um, if Barrett is hurt, it, it kind of hurts um, in two dimensions, not only at Viper, but also hurts your depth at the inside linebacker spot. So um, hopefully, you know, hopefully everybody is healthy. Hopefully they can play well. The guys that are pushed into duty, hopefully have the opportunity to step up and make names for themselves. Um, but again, I, I, I get the feeling that this is going to be a very close game. And again, is going to come down to on one side of the ball, or maybe both sides of the ball, being able to make a, a key play, um, late in the game, and and that's probably what we'll be talking about um, on Sunday and Monday. You know, another thing I wanted to address is, you know, again, um, listen, nobody is happy on the Michigan side of the ball at what happened versus Michigan State, but there is a fair amount of the sky is falling, and um, you know, you know, there is a a referendum on among a lot of the fans on whether you support Jim Harbaugh and whether you're rooting for the team, right? 
would it be better for the team to lose here? And then you have, then it's obvious. Listen, I'm always going to root for Michigan. Okay. I rooted for Michigan um, when Lloyd Carr was here. I rooted for Michigan when Bo Schembechler was here. I rooted for Michigan when Rich Rodriguez was here. I rooted for, I rooted for Michigan when Brady Hoke was here. And I'm going to root every game that, you know, Michigan wins when Jim Harbaugh is here. Okay. I want these guys to be successful. I want the players to be successful. And I, I really, I cringe when I hear elements of the fan base um, predicting or rooting for something bad to happen. Right. I, I just, listen, everybody has their own uh, take on their fandom, but I, I really don't think it's productive. Um, you know, I, I always use the la- the, you know, the old coaches analogy of, you know, I don't cut players, they cut themselves, right? If if I have to stop believing in Jim Harbaugh, it will be after a season of, of seeing what happens on the field, right? And at this point, I'm hoping Michigan goes on, uh, you know, an epic run and wins every game from here out, including Ohio State. And, and I'm going to hope that happens until time runs out in every game. I'm going to believe that they have a chance to win. So, um you know, it's definitely part of my fandom. You know, I can be concerned about certain elements of the team, but I, 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 I am not gonna. You know, I can't go to some place where I, I hope that these guys fail, and I hope that Michigan fails. I, I just can't go there. So, um, you know, Clint, uh, I know that you know you have strong feelings on supporting the team. Uh, how do you feel about some of the uh, hand wringing that's gone on since Michigan lost last week to the Spartans? First, I would acknowledge that it's that it's understandable because watching your team underperform and 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 lose in, in the biggest moments and then take you know some of the heat or or razzing from rivals and friends that that you may have to deal with all the time. It's uh you know. It's, it's painful as a sports fan, you know, as, as we kind of overuse that word a little bit in relation to sports. But, you know, that's it's, it's understandable that fans are going to want to lash out with the lack of success in comparison to the expectations that were, you know, starting to sail when, when Michigan hired Jim Harbaugh in December of 2014. So, um it's that part of it is understandable because it, it sucks. The, the 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 gap between the reality that we've seen and the expectations that um, even the average expectations for your average fan, but the top end expectations of instantly competing with Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State for national titles, you know, didn't seem like that crazy of an idea. So I can understand that, you know. But however. You know, your, your point about you'll never catch me actively rooting against any program um, at the University of Michigan, but, you know, especially especially the football program, um, it's, it's just a big part of, of how I enjoy sports in a given calendar year and, and through the fall. You know, it, it, it's a big deal to me. I think the whole concept of actively tanking or rooting for your team to lose because of some outcome that you think that makes it more likely um, 
as a strategy. I, I can't get on board with that. Um, I, I, I still cringe when I hear it applied to NFL teams or NBA teams in terms of draft picks for the upcoming year. I just think it's counter to everything that an athletic program should be and what athletes and coaches should be. So the whole idea of rooting against your team because you think it's going to lead to some outcome, whether it's a coaching change or, or what have you, I, I, I can't, I, I just can't ever really buy into that as a philosophy. And, and if somebody else thinks that it's fine, but it's just never, it's never going to settle correctly with me and especially with, uh, with college football and with Michigan for me. So um, I, I get it. Um, I, I, I don't, I wouldn't criticize anybody that actively feels or thinks that way. You know, obviously everybody's allowed to have their, their own opinions. Um, but to me, it creates a toxic culture when you get enough people that are kind of putting that out into the ether, into the media environment, social media, you know, the blogosphere, uh, the professional media, the people that are trying to produce content to to get people that have those types of feelings to engage, you know, that, that spirals and gets awfully negative and it doesn't help, um, doesn't help anything, you know, it's, it's toxic also, especially with, with recruiting, you know, it, it's, you get a new coach in, he's now saddled with a toxic culture and, and an issue in his, the image of his program locally, regionally, and nationally. So there are long-term effects to creating a, uh, an entitled um, whiny fan base and culture around a program. And that's something that we should all be actively working against, in my opinion, for whatever small measure that we can. So um, I, I echo everything that you said. I don't, uh, I don't have anything negative to say about uh, a person that has that as their opinion or is saying that, but, um, you know, if we're having an, an open conversation or discussion about it, my, my opinion is going to be, you know, the opposite and, and, and I'm going to state it, you know, as strongly as I possibly can, because I'm never going to buy into, you know, turning your back on, on your own program, um, to make you feel a little bit better after they've underperformed. All right. Well, hopefully we'll have uh, a much better result on Saturday and uh, Michigan will turn the corner and we will have, uh, you know, higher hopes for the end of the season or the rest of the season. So that's going to do it for this edition of the umgoblue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.